fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to another episode of Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. This is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and makes it a reality. We do that. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon. Great to be here, Dan. Looking forward to this episode um, and really thinking about how to defend myself from predators. I mean, that's the definition of survival, isn't it? I mean, I think that's what Darwin, Darwin was talking about. Survival of the fittest. What do I know? Let's get the uh, opinion of our enigmatic engineer, Ben Seepser. Ben, where are you broadcasting from this week? I'm on the spaceship with the uh, predators and learning all about their culture and and. And lifestyle. It's very interesting. Now, have you learned any phrases in their language that you could share with us? Or have you not gotten to that level of communication yet? You know, it's been difficult to communicate with them. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of growling and jungle noises. <laughs> they seem like a very agitated group just in general. Seems difficult yeah. to communicate with them <laughs> at all. Well, you know, I, and I think this is great because we're talking about the movie Predator. We are, again, we're right in the middle of Schwarzenegger September, if you can say that, which I have trouble doing. Uh, Denon, this is, this is your doing, and I got to thank you for it because I haven't seen Predator in a lo- I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I have to say, I was surprised at just how complex this movie actually is because it's it doesn't become about the Predator until like the last third of the movie, really, which is very strange, you know? It, it is. And what a couple of things. I hadn't seen it in a while either, Dan. And I was a, really shocked by a number of elements that I'm sure we're going to get into as we discuss this. Very enjoyable, but very, very much an older movie in some ways. It's a movie of its time. Let's just say that. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the Schwarzenegger movies we're doing are all in the same time period, and they are very product. They're very much product of their time. Uh, ben, I imagine you probably didn't see this when it came out. So, what was? Had you seen it before, or was this a first? I, I, I certainly don't remember seeing it before. So, I think this may have been my first ever uh, watching of of the Predator. First impressions. What were they? You know, it was really interesting to see. I, I really liked the way they did a lot of the effects. I thought it, for for the time period, I thought it was really cool to see how they did the stealth and how they pulled off a lot of that stuff. Well, I mean, that was probably, if we're talking about the technology, which I think we have to, otherwise we're not a technology show. <laughs> we're talking about the technology. That really does take the cake. That's the crown jewel in Predator's arsenal is the is the cloaking device. But let's so let's talk about it. so you know we did, you know, we probably talked about this too much, but we did a great panel at San Diego Comic-Con on on the Mandalorian and we talked about how what what it would take. What technologies would you require to be a successful bounty hunter? And I think in this one we really have to approach it as if we are hunting humans, you know. What would it take to hunt the ultimate game, also known as Long Pig, in some uh, some more rural circles? Uh, so this, I, I think, the, the the number, the types of weapons, the type of technology are really important to discuss here. 
And I would say that these are exactly the types of, this is the type of equipment that our specially trained, the special forces in our nation's highest military, they have to hunt humans. You know, I mean, not to sound too dark, but that is their job to hunt and kill humans. And I think that they've incorporated a lot of this technology. I don't want to say that they were inspired by Predator, but I kind of want to say that they were inspired by Predator. Well, Dan, I would agree with you at about, I don't know, the 75 or 80% level. I would like to just talk briefly about the Predator's vision, if we may, Mm -hmm. uh, as an interesting, incredibly short-sighted way of hunting humans. (laughs) Uh, If you look at it, it can only see in a very narrow infrared band, and it doesn't seem to have other good detection senses. And in the end, this is why it becomes easy prey for Arnold. Um, the hero, not for a spoiler alert there, um, or a spoiler, sorry, that's not actually a spoiler alert, it's yeah. an actual spoiler. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, spoiler alert comes before the spoiler, otherwise yeah. it's just a regular old spoiler. <laughs> um, but I do think, that was the one thing that struck me about this, when you talk about technology, we, we obviously have invented night vision, infrared vision, infrared goggles, night vision goggles, which have been very key in a major advancement, but we haven't gotten rid of our ability to see in the optical range. And that was what fascinated me about the Predator, is this very limited sensory abilities, I felt. I'm not sure where you guys feel about that, but that struck me this time around more than anything else. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And it speaks to how a lot of night vision systems work is that they don't just use infrared. Well, where infrared is very important and very useful at night because it's, it, there's, you're, there's always infrared, there's not always visible light. But a lot of these... Uh, night vision systems still amplify whatever starlight there is as much as possible because there are things that you can't see in infrared. You could see a muddy person, that, that part doesn't work, but, <laughs> but, but like a big flat wall, you might not be able to see the texture of it or you might not be able to see where a door is or a seam in, is in it because there's just not enough uh, contrast in infrared. Yeah, you know, I, I like starting with the visual aspect because as we know, human beings, that is our strongest sense. It's the, at least, a, it's not our strongest sense. It's the sense we rely on the most is our visual sense. And, well, those of us who can see, those of us who can't are amazing at reconstructing the world around them through hearing and through other senses. So, but what that tells you is that the human brain needs to know the layout of the world around them. So even if they don't, if, even if you don't have a visual sense, which it doesn't appear that the predator has a natural visual sense that would be uh, of a tactile advantage, uh, ta- tactical, there you go, tactile, not tactical, <laughs> I'm getting it there, a tactical advantage because it just, it's all red. So he might as well be, you know, he might as well have his vision completely gone. I don't see it having any use in, in our world. That was the fascinating thing to me. It takes its helmet off at the end and its vision actually gets worse (laughs) which was actually cool filming i thought from one perspective yeah but it really made me wonder about the predators as a race they're these ultimate hunters ultimate predators but they're in a sense training on humans so i feel like i could turn this around if i wanted to and maybe they specifically damage the helmet for lack of a better word or weaken it so that they're at a disadvantage and have to hunt humans with weakened senses but I tell you, it w- I would have expected another sense to take over when he took the helmet off. Um, and maybe that was just a filming technique. But it, w- it was fascinating to me. You think of predators, they're always got these ultra senses, you know, in the animal kingdom, as we know them. You know, they either got way better vision than us, better smell, better hearing. And I just didn't see that here. 
No, I think that's important to note because I think in the later movies they do have additional um, visual. Uh, I, I think they have like night vision. I think they have they have other different ways to detect human beings than just infrared. But I think infrared is is important for hunting anything that is alive because anything alive will give off a heat signature. And so I think that there is an advantage to that. And I'm actually surprised that in a lot of ways that hasn't evolved in in more predators, to be honest. Well, a lot of predators do have heat vision. I, well, rept, reptiles do, right? So pit vipers and uh, a lot of boas and things like that have sensory pits, which are infrared, and they can see warm-blooded animals uh, very clearly at night. And that's how that's how those animals are able to find prey in the jungle because you know it's really hard to see a mouse or a rat running around in the mud but in infrared it's super super easy well and if you can't see a, a rat run around in the mud how can you see a schwarzenegger run around in the mud <laughs> you sure can't <laughs> <laughs> wait now is that hold on is that possible i want to get this take that off of our list right away is there any truth to the fact that if you're covered in cold mud would it would it confuse him even for a second obviously when your body heat heats up the mud and turns it into dirt it's not going to work but at first anything it you would not the mud would not stay cold for very long is the problem okay. because mud is mostly water and water is very good at conducting heat the mud's going to warm up very quickly at least enough to get you above the background uh okay. there's been tests of this and it doesn't really work very well okay all right fair so, enough. though dan what i do like is the general idea of hiding your your signature right Cl clearly that's what you have to do in this case and i would agree with you infrared is a great device to have when hunting warm-blooded humans. I was merely pointing out having that as your only um, sensory tool seems a bit short-sighted, if I may make that pun. <laughs> you may not, and I, if you do that again, you're off the show. That's it. That's yeah. it. One warning. One warning on bad puns goes for you too, Ben. You've been warned. It's also possible there's something that it's maybe in a, not quite the IR we're familiar with either. Because if you, if you look closely at the vision you see with the predator, the parts of the humans that light up aren't really the parts that would be the warmest, which I had kind of a, I'm sure that's just, maybe that's just bad filmmaking. But when we look, when the predator's watching the humans in their battle fatigues, sometimes the warmest part was like their chests, which are covered in a couple layers of body armor and things like that. And the face wasn't the warmest part, which is what should absolutely be the warmest part. So... You know, maybe something else is going on, too. Well, that is a great point because it they don't tell us that it's infrared. We are yeah. just assuming because of the color spectrum and infrared technology we have now that seems to mimic what the predator sees. But we may we don't have any idea what he's actually tracking with that. Yeah, Th this is true. Good point, Dan. Thank you. But I, I do think at some level of the electromagnetic spectrum, that's yeah. obvious, um, that's a sort of clear statement, and it's narrow, whatever it is. And I yeah. think that was the thing that I found shocking. Um, it's also interesting, if I may make a slight transition, the armor and camouflage clearly recognizes that humans, though, see in the visible. So I thought that was interesting. It, its armor and defensive mechanisms were well-suited for being um, a defense against humans, which was what it was hunting. So camouflage-wise, I'm giving it an A+. That's an interesting point. And we know from... We know actually that its suit doesn't do IR blocking because we see it see its own hand as very hot. <laughs> if it's IR that we're talking about. Well, if it's IR. Another pot, maybe it's like uh, sonar or something. There you go. 
It could be sonar. I, I do want to say one other thing before we go to armor, which I think is important. The audio that it has, it has slightly enhanced audio where it can hear people, but it gets super distorted. I actually thought that would have been better. I think the audio aspect of this, I was surprised at how terrible it was, given how important audio is and sound waves are to most predators. Well, it sounded in some ways like it was playing the audio back as a way to mess with them, which I thought was kind of funny. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, I was certainly trying to learn the audio, and I think there were many moments it missed a great opportunity to actually use it even more to mess with them. Um, There is one point where I felt for sure it was the predator messing um, with one of the characters, and it turned out to actually be the character calling each other. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was weird. The audio, I thought the audio was a little strange. I thought it would have been a little enhanced. But let's move on to the armor. I think the armor is a lot of fun, not the least of which is its cloaking ability, which I think we have to talk about. We've talked a little bit about this, you know, from a, from an in-real-life standpoint, or IRL, as the kids say. Um, you know, we talked about a company <laughs> called Hyperstealth Biotechnology Corp., which makes this kind of plastic that bends light around whatever object it's around, I guess, making it essentially, uh, for all intents and purposes, invisible. This, I could see if you had made this into a suit form in a slightly advanced way, you could kind of create this. And its camouflage is not a perfect cloaking. I mean, you, you still see the outline, so it's not perfect, which makes me think that maybe there's some level of that going on here. I don't know what you guys thought. Well, I was going to say, it's not, I think it's perfect when it's not moving, is what I kind of got from it. Because there are times when the predator's still and they're looking up in the trees and they, they're like, oh, I don't see anything. But then whenever it's moving, that's when you start seeing the outline and the, the concentric circle kind of effect that's going on. So I think, I think what happens is that the, the, the armor is really good at putting up a, putting up a cloak when they're, when, the thing underneath it isn't moving, but it can't compensate very quickly. Hmm. Yeah, and for me, Dan, this makes it the perfect example of a digital cloaking, not analog cloaking. I really think this is a computerized camera system that's projecting what's behind the Predator in front of it. This is why it's controlled by the um, arm pad that it has. And, and and this is even why I think you get the concentric rings when it's moving rapidly. Is it, It's a very, very sort of moray interference-like pattern mm. of, you know, your TV not being able to quite scan fast enough and you actually see the scan lines. Um, so I think this is really, to me, as much as I love the passive cloaking that you referred to, um, materials that um, make light move completely around you, um, that is the direction I would go with my cloaking device. Um, I think this is a purely digital technology. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, what, what's, what I do like about it is that it isn't perfect because I think perfect cloaking is very difficult, even from a theoretical standpoint. But I like what you're saying that, that it produces the effect while still being in the plausible realm, if I can say that. Oh, definitely. definitely. And I think this is consistent with some of this camera like technology um, we've even toyed around with and worked on. And it's really just a, a question of processing power and figuring out what angle you want to defend from so you're showing the right thing to the people in front of you. You know, and it's funny, we talk about armor. The best thing about it is its camouflage because when it comes to actual armor, I thought it was kind of lacking. Like I don't even think it has shoes. I think it's got like <laughs> just its basic pads of its feet, right? I think that's right. Yeah, it was not. It was an interesting uh, combination of what it did. But it, yeah, it was more for the camouflage. It was less for protection. But you know what? 
when you're coming from a world with major energy blasts, I think as we've discussed before, hard to defend against those. So you'd rather be hidden than necessarily protected. (laughs) I guess so. I guess so. Which leads us to their energy weapons. I I really liked the the shoulder-mounted energy weapon that he has, which can apparently blow a hole through an entire person uh is this is this plausible i feel like an energy weapon would be the only thing you could shoulder mount because there isn't any kick to it that that would really work in this way is that is that pretty true at least well there is going to be some kick i think but i i think of this kind of i and ben can help me with this um what i like about it perhaps which we don't see is there is an exhaust so the kick goes out the back and that's where the shoulder mounting helps you um because it doesn't actually hit you then and so uh, there's a, a I, I think of that waste coming out the back is your momentum going out the back and and it doesn't burn you because it's on your shoulder. I, that's where I was going. I don't oh, know. I love that. Yeah, it definitely also ha- it it seemed to have the the cinematic slow energy weapon problem, which I always think is interesting. Where the bolts seem to have a lot of different speeds of travel. And in some cases, it seemed extremely slow. Certainly the first time we saw it, it was very slow moving. Although that maybe that was like a slow-mo to get us clued in as to what was going on. But compared to a bullet, it seems like it wasn't fast at all. Like you shouldn't be able to see something over that short of a distance. So that part I thought was interesting. But I think it, it, in a lot of ways, it goes back to a lot of the other energy weapons we've talked about where it's probably some sort of plasma ball that's traveling at high speed maybe contained with plat with magnetic fields or something to keep that energy together well it definitely wasn't moving at the speed of light so it had no to be it definitely sort of was not a laser <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. no yeah well you know what i did like what i did like about this which i thought was kind of new was the three-point targeting system which i think would be much more accurate than the analog thing we have now, especially if this is if that's a digital version, but the analog idea of like a red pinpoint of light, that requires significantly, in my opinion, significantly more calibration than a three-point system because then you know the air, you've outlined the area that it's going to strike, especially for much bigger projectiles. Um, ben, what did you think about the three the targeting system? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, what's also good about having three points is you can get you can get a little bit more. You know, people talk about triangulating a target. Now, usually when you do that, you would put the triangulation points far apart from, from each other. That way you get a lot of depth and angular information. But even close together, you get some amount of depth that you wouldn't get with just a single target point because you can measure the angle between your three points and get a much uh, better target uh, measurement than you would normally be able to get. So what I actually really liked, Dan, about the three-point targeting system was besides those things, which were good, was the weird view we got of the planes of uh, light that were involved in, in sending the signal out, particularly when Arnold cleverly throws a rock. And you had the added ability to um, calculate backwards the trajectory of the rock and figure out where it came from. Um, it, it may have been missed if you weren't watching carefully, um, but I liked... You know, for all the other weaknesses that took me by surprise, it is the classic move to confuse somebody is to throw something and make noise. So any good predator would have figured out a countermeasure to that, which this one did. I was very impressed. And it's built into that targeting system. (laughs) I I, I think I did miss that, but I love that. But it does, I, I think, also gives away a great weakness of the predator's weaponry, which is 
when it shoots, it really shows where it is. You yeah. know, the you know, every weapon's a tracer when your when your weapons are balls of plasma. So, you know, if it, it's not so good for the stealth. No, that is very true. Well, which actually, you know, and and that gave me another insight, which is why earlier on, um, most of its kills were done without um, its energy weapon and was done by its blades it was yes. very into killing close up which preserved its stealth and made it clear that you had no idea where it was yeah no i think that that's really true and another thing that really you know speaking of telling you where it was it's fluorescent blood if we can just talk biology for a quick second <laughs> i i really like this and i was wondering what would cause if you had an animal with fluorescent blood what would cause that what chemically would cause that color change because obviously the iron in our blood is what gives it that red that red tint uh, not even a tint it's a deep red uh, but what would what what would cause it uh, you know this is really a chemistry question so i don't i don't know which one of you guys Well i can be... tell you right away Dan Yeah for reasons unknown to me it evolved to have green fluorescent protein in its blood um, green fluorescent <laughs> protein is uh, an innovation we've had a number of years ago, which was critically important in our studies of biology and has allowed us to look at a lot of things. It's actually a really cool thing. And I think the first thing they did was make a fluorescent bunny rabbit, which you can find on YouTube. But it's a really cool protein that fluoresces green and confirms that these predators are not looking in the visible. Because if you were from a planet where you had visible as the main wavelength of light you used, you probably would not have involved blood that was quite that bright. <laughs> it is, it yeah. is very bright. That is extraordinarily <laughs> bright blood. Now, does that pl uh, protein carry oxygen at all? Is it? No, it really actually does nothing. I don't know why it's in there. I think <laughs> it's there as an accident of evolution because you're living in a world yeah. where being green and fluorescing isn't a problem. Yeah. I, we do know that green blood can work where you use copper instead of iron as mm. your kind of oxygenator um, in the blood. But why it would, why you'd have the fluorescent, I don't know. Maybe he went to a rave and he drank some, uh, drank some uh, uh, glow stick juice the night before <laughs> well you know what i like about that the glow stick juice because it comes in those little tubes right yeah what, what when he gets his leg cut he takes one of the like a little tube like that and cracks it over his leg to cauterize the rune, wound you know people use silver nitrate to kind of as a chemical cauterizer which i thought was really interesting chemical you know silver nitrate is also the the ingredient that makes extra old original films from the 1900s and 1910s and 1920s so flammable uh, was was silver nitrate. It's a very a very unstable compound, but I like that they had something in his medical bag that allowed him to quickly seal up wounds from a chemical standpoint. I really liked his whole little first aid kit that just pops out like that. Like you know, it just shows what how prepared these guys are because they're ready for injuries. That armor is very multi-purpose. Uh, yeah, except for preventing the injury. But other than that, they're ready for the injury when they get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you yeah. can only do so much against a minigun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. I love that it came out as just a small little, like, it looked like Dexter's, you know, what he uses to chop up bodies, except on, on a miniature level. I mean, to remove whatever. If he needs to remove a limb, I'm sure he can do that. Um, it, I, I love that. It was such a great little thing. And so before we finish, we have to talk about how Arnold uses analog, I would say Ewok technology to beat <laughs> the Predator. This was, I thought was really cool. Uh, and it also gave us a gratuitous 80s style muscle montage, which, you know, <laughs> Denon, this is a staple of any Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, no, what did you think is. about this? Well, first of all, I do have to share on a personal note. Um, as I was watching this with my daughter at one point through, she goes, 
okay, what what is up with the fact that they're all losing their shirts? And I'm like, that is like required in a movie like this. She goes, oh, that's right. I learned that in Die Hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not a child of the '80s, because this is no, this is common no. knowledge for anyone in that era. Exactly. Um, but I have to say, I loved it, and I'm gonna. I, I know there are some minor physics issues with um, some of the bow shots used by Arnold in this particular movie, but at its core, it confirmed for me that the bow is still the ultimate weapon. Right. We invented it early in humans' career. It's not made of metal, so it's not easily detectable by the predator. Um, and it really has amazing power and has been incredibly useful throughout history. And so I'm, I'm all behind the bow here. I found it fascinating to watch Arnold make his bow and all the levels of wood he put into it. Um, and then I was very disappointed he didn't really get to use it effectively. Um, so the bow is the sort of technology here I was most into. But, Dan, I do like your re reference to the Ewoks. He had a lot of falling logs, and that was key. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to put up an article about um, from Popular Mechanics. Uh, I was actually just sent this into my inbox about how to make a bow in nature. I mean, how great is that? I'm going to put that up. I mean, you know, Gizmo made a bow. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Daryl from The Walking Dead uses it. They're silent. They're deadly. You know, there's other things that are silent and deadly, which we won't go into. But I think the bow is really key early on in the human's career. I love it. Yeah, I, I was the the amount of uh, penetration power we saw with the bow when he does his test shot and it goes like through a log. I was that that was that's just shows you how the raw strength of Arnold <laughs> that he was able to <laughs> pull a bow that's that powerful. <laughs> even string it. I mean, even stringing a bow that's oh yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like I said, he raw power of Arnold. <laughs> that that is that is very true. That if there's one thing he's got, it's raw power. Uh, so, I mean, you know, looking back on this movie, I, I really like this movie. I like the complexity. I like the fact that it's not about the Predator from the get-go. It kind of that comes in later on. I mean, the fact that it's named Predator is almost, if this was called anything else, you wouldn't even know it's about an alien creature coming to kill humans uh, until you get like two-thirds of the way through the movie. I mean, it's almost, the title's almost a spoiler. Well, it, except for the very short shot at the beginning where for some reason you see a spaceship peel off from another spaceship and head towards Earth. Right. And then you think you're saving some random general. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> That's totally weird. Uh, but I like this movie. Uh, I liked it much more than I thought I was going to upon second viewing. But we've we've come to one of my favorite parts of the show, and that is our errors, additions, and omissions section. Things we want to talk about, but we're not going to, but sometimes do accidentally. Um, ben, I'm going to go to you first. Well, there's, there's one other thing that we talked about that that would be a problem that shows that the Predator's don't look in the visible light and that's like their eyes like flash when they're in cloak mode like clearly <laughs> clearly they cannot see yellow light because <laughs> yeah. they're giving themselves away with that one <laughs> yeah no for sure absolutely uh Denon, what did you have i've got a couple here actually first off when they first actually think they see the predator and the one guy starts shooting I'm not sure it's best military um, practice to then shoot all your ammunition for a full 30 seconds randomly into the jungle. I think about five or 10 seconds would have been good enough. Go look for the dead body. If you don't see it, you still have ammo left. Just, you know, a little little hint there. I also feel I'm with my daughter on this. They missed a perfect uh, Arnold line. Um, there was one point where the guy goes, it's almost like we're being hunted. And Arnold pauses, stares off into the distance, and I fully expect him to say, maybe by a predator. But he doesn't say anything. Oh. So, you know, we, we, we lost that line there. And 
I was very proud of myself for calling it. I had totally forgotten this, but I was pretty sure, you know, as soon as you capture the one random female prisoner, I knew she'd live to the end. Her and Arnold being the only survivors was, was, was classic from this. So those are a couple of mine, Dan. There's a few more I'll throw out, but I think I'll leave it there. Well, no, I think that's great. What I realized is I'm watching a lot of old movies, and it's funny how in every type of movie – they cram in that love story. So if there's a woman on screen and she doesn't get killed, uh, she's falling in love with the main character. That's that's just how it works. Well, one <laughs> other thing is I, I got to wonder, why does the Predator have a human laugh? Like when he's <laughs> when he set off the self-destruct and Arnold's running away. Like it, 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 I guess it just shows that laughter crosses all cultures and, <laughs> and uh, star systems. That was on my list. I was, was going to put that on there. It's so bizarre. He's this human laughter. And he really, he chuckles, man. That's a belly laugh. Yeah. Uh, humor's obviously very different on his planet because <laughs> blowing himself up, clearly he can't, you know, he's in stitches over that, which is very bizarre. Uh, so I got a couple of things here, which I, I, which I love, you know, Again, a complex movie. I love the fact that it's a super complex movie, given that it's an 80s action movie. Jesse Ventura, the governor, future governor of Minnesota at this point. Arnold, future governor of California at this point. Um, the Governor's Club started in this movie, I think. I thought that was really interesting. Um, one of the characters, he nervously shaves. Mac, the guy, you, you know, he's the, yeah. the bald guy. He just starts shaving randomly. It's such an odd habit to to have, <laughs> to, to nervously shave. Um, I love that only Arnold can get shot by an advanced alien race with a highly accurate targeting system, shooting an explosive energy bolt and only get a flesh wound. Only Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> can do that. And finally, Denon, I got to come back here. You know, you said you don't want people shoot. You think it's weird for them to shoot into the woods for 30 seconds. Obviously, you've never panicked. Maybe if you were being attacked by an alien race, you would unload the clip into the woods. Oh, Dan, <laughs> no doubt I would. Yeah. I'm just saying with severe military training, you'd have more control than that. This fair was enough. not a personal judgment. Okay. Oh, yeah, fair. that's me all over, definitely. Yeah. Fair enough, because I'm doing the same thing. If I got a minigun, that minigun, going in that's it i'm out of ammo because i'm not thinking straight uh but but this is you know this is i think i think we've really figured out if we're going to hunt humans if we're going to be predators this is the equipment you need how to do it uh but if we've missed anything or if there's any idea you want us to cover on a future episode we're easy to get in touch with the show is on twitter at f triple g bt pod on facebook at f triple g bt but you can get in touch with us as well denon where can people find you well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Den and Michael. Just reverse my name. And then on Facebook, you got to stick a prof in there, at Prof Den and Michael. Uh, you got to stick a prof in there. And I think anything's better with a prof, don't you, Den and? <laughs> I mean, I think we could both agree on that. Uh, ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? B S I E P S E R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. So we've done it, but this is probably some of the most dangerous technology that we've taught you about so far, and that is how to become a human predator. Uh, that's pretty scary stuff. So you, this is very dangerous technology. Be responsible with it. You want to be a superhero, not a supervillain. Until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, if you like this show, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? 
The good news is we're on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and now Spotify. If you're not already on those platforms, don't worry. We've made it very easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. That's fgbt.com, where you will find links to everything you're looking for. All the subscribe buttons at the bottom of the page. Links to our social media are right there. And if you go to the top of the page, you'll see a little button that says episodes click on that and go to your favorite episode there you can find the show in its entirety you can find the links that we talked about the in real life examples that we brought to you including videos and of course we've got each episode has its own youtube video you can watch it there if you prefer and if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening